This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. You know, guys, it's no secret we're facing a technician shortage, and Napa Auto Care is addressing that. The free two-year apprentice program offers a variety of training to produce a technician with three ASC certifications. To learn more, members can visit member.napaautocare.com. Today's guest, I'm very excited to uh, have on one of my very, very favorite people. And I'm not just saying that because he's looking at me through my computer screen, but legitimately one of the nicest guys I've ever met. And because I'm in this profession, I got to meet him and uh, at different trade shows. Is His name's Chris Clodier. Did I say that correct? Cloutier. It's all right. It, it, Cloutier. Cloutier. Okay. Yeah. Chris Cloutier. It's very, it must be very French. Very French. All I can say in France. Yeah. Well, he is the uh, owner of Golden Rule Auto Care. And he's also the founder and owner of Auto Text Me. He's on the cover of Ratchet and Wrench at least once. I don't know how that happened. And the more, I, the more I'm talking about <laughs> you, the more like a failure I'm starting no. to feel. No, I'm on your show, man. <laughs> I'm on your show. But Auto Text Me, uh, because of that, you've uh, you're involved in a lot of other uh, technologies, and you're just kind of the ultimate entrepreneur. Uh, you're a musician, man. I could just keep going. It's gonna. This is gonna be like one of those introductions and in some training classes where the instructor spends a half an hour discussing. <laughs> their life. Right? I know. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, Matt. Thank you for the intro that, by the way, I don't live up to at all. Um, I somehow, I didn't end up on the cover. I don't know how that happened. But you know what, Matt? It's Christmas. So you know what I'm going to say to you? Merry Christmas, brother. And thanks for having me on your bah show. humbug to you, Chris. Um. <laughs> bah humbug. All right. I'm actually glad you said that. It is Christmas time. And, uh, I, the reason I responded with the ball humbug is I have nothing against Christmas. It's my by far, by far my favorite holiday, even more than Arbor Day. My and <laughs> but um, nice. I was thinking one day uh, about the word humbug, and most of us recognize that word from uh, either we read the novel uh, A Christmas Carol, or we've watched one of thirty-five different versions of it on. TV or movies. And of course, Ebenezer Scrooge says bah humbug a lot. And it unfortunately gets twisted into thinking it's something anti-Christmas. And it's really more a description of deceit or fake. So he's not bah humbugging the holiday itself. He's bah humbugging the fakeness of people that this time of year we're going to be our best selves and goodwill towards men and all that and it doesn't carry over at all the rest of the year if it even really uh, carries over at all or is involved at all at that time of year so you're saying the words you're not really doing it or backing it up with actions or the, the actions are meager and I find that interesting because I sometimes, and I won't say sometimes, I see it a lot at the front counter uh, with customers at various shops or listening to um, 
shop owners, managers, technicians, uh, service advisors talking about dealing with clients. And sometimes I feel like in normal conversation, they would say the right words, how important the customers are. But man, when it comes down to actions and really how they feel, it's not necessarily the case. That's There's also, it's almost like um, taking customers for granted. Just to kind of go with this concept, what you're saying is is their face is saying one thing and, and their or their actions are saying one thing, but their their words are are, are portraying a totally different perspective. Yeah, is yeah, basically or, what you're saying, right? The, the thought inside might be anger as a shop owner or, or or disgruntled shop owner, but then they put a smiley face and happy face on. Try hard to put the smiley face on, but I'm not sure how how well it comes off. But certainly try, and some are you know like anything, some are better than others. Uh, but yeah, I think it's like I, I'm going to use a term that's associated with something else, so it's maybe dangerous, but it's almost like microaggressions, and people pick up on it. Customers pick up on it, where you know they're smiling at me and they're kind of stroking my ego or whatever they're doing, telling me how much they appreciate my business. But it's almost like I'm annoying them, and then. Matt, Matt I, there's a good book. And it's funny you're talking about this. And, and you know I'm an avid reader. There's this new book I just got. It's called Rare Leadership in the Workplace. And, and it's a very short book, and I'm almost done with it. And interestingly enough, it's, it's about culture. It's about, it's about your actions and how you treat people. And, and kind of the, the concept is that a good leader is a mature leader. And a mature leader follows joy and not fear. So that's interesting, right? So I think you're right. How many people are actually following the concept of joy in their life versus fear in their life? And and think about this with the changing tide of of technology and new cars and the the whole face of the industry is the owner caught up in the fear of what's the change to come that they're not willing to embrace. Yeah, I I think there's a lot of fears as a shop owner, as a manager, if if you're one of those managers that has, you know, some of these words, I'm not sure how much I like them, but power uh, over what the day-to-day yep. is, there's a lot of responsibilities. There's a lot of plates to keep spinning, a lot of people to try to appease, Absolutely. both working under the roof of the business and outside of the business. Right. I think you just, you start getting jaded and you start remembering the quote-unquote bad client, which I'm not sure... Those are probably far fewer and far between than they're... They're one in a thousand. Yeah. I mean, honestly, they're, they're yeah. very few and far between. Every one of them that's ever yelled at you or cried or slammed their fist on the uh, counter may not actually be a bad customer. They're just trying to get, get you to make things right or um, explain yourself, you know, come clean. They're, they're sensing something. They just want to be heard. Yeah. You you said this and I, Matt, you're, I think you're right. Like my, and it's funny. I, I don't, I, I'm nice. You know, when, when I go out and see you at shows, I'm in a different element. So I'm not under the gun of, you know, the deadlines for software or I'm not having to worry about the angry customer or, or the one job that went wrong or the part that's wrong. You know, the different elements, I'm a lot nicer outside of my work elements, but my people, and it's funny, and I'm not just saying your customers, but your, your employees yes. notice as well. You know, they notice and they pick up when you come in and they know when I'm, I'm having a bad day, I can smile and I can say, hey, hey, Matt, how's it going today? You know, how, how are you doing? And then I go back in my office and without, a, without I mean, it happens every time. 
I'll, I'll have them come back and say, hey, is everything okay? And I'm like, how did you, how, how did you figure that out? Like I came in with a perfect acting, but it goes back to, I think you're ball humbug. I'm, I'm liking where you're going with this. <laughs> I think I'm agreeing with you. Mark that on a calendar or something. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's good. It's a good concept. I didn't know where you were going at first. I was thinking you just hated Christmas. No, I, I adore but it. you don't. So we're good. We're yeah, at least on the I, same playing field there. <laughs> I kid you not, man. It's it's my favorite. I just have very fond memories from childhood. That that magic, Santa Claus, the, the whole thing bought into it. Another, I kid you not, maybe dangerous to say, not much of a church person, but I loved going on Christmas Eve and I don't singing, but I nice. love music and I loved listening nice. to the, uh, it, you know, and there it's hymns. We call them Christmas music or whatever. Yeah, it's but worship praise. Dude, Absolutely. You know, came upon yeah. a midnight clear and the, and it was always packed. So you had this full range and I would just hide in the back of the balcony. Yeah. yeah back to that. Uh, also, I'm thinking about managers too. <laughs> if you're the manager who has the office who's kind of away from the front counter, your service advisors, your customer service representatives, your whoever's the point of sale, they don't come get you when we got the most ecstatic client here. They are so happy <laughs> right. with what we did and what we charged yeah. them and all that. Like they want to talk to you. They want to talk, you know, tell everyone how great their experience was. That never happens. It's always like, yeah, yeah, we got Mr. Smith here. He wants to talk to a manager. And then it's you get lit into and maybe you don't even know fully what was going on or what happened. And it's not, and I'm not saying it happens all the time, but those that's what you remember. And that's pretty much what dominates your encounters at the front counter. And it dominates your day too, Matt. I, I would, in, in this book too, I got to read this. this. This is wonderful. You'll like this, right? Um, this is kind of the premise of the book. The guy says, you know, to be a great leader, you need to remain relational, act like yourself, uh, return to joy, and and uh, endure hardship well. That's one thing that is very hard for us to do is endure hardship well. And and he goes on, and, and it's interesting, Matt, he, he goes on to say, okay, you, you know, when everything's going good, are you this person? And then when crap hits the fan, you turn into a complete a-hole because you're not yourself. I mean, if you are a mature self and you go, okay, it's just a temporary problem. We're going to get through this. Or do you fly off the handle? And he calls it like sandbox uh, leadership, you know, but but it's hard, right? To endure, you know, endure the long pain suffering that we have to sometimes. It's hard. And it's not like we don't know about it. You know, it's not like it's not, it's not like it's something new and this new trend and, and, you know, how society has evolved or devolved that we now react to things this certain way. No, we've seen, we've seen this demonstrated year after year after year after year in sports. <laughs> You've got teams that the locker room is trash and they're losing. Trash. No morals. Everybody and it's morals. trash. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then that same yeah. team. Maybe yep. a different coach, maybe a couple of different players, whatever. And all of a sudden, it's not trash anymore. And they're winning, you know. And it's, I'm not saying they're winning because now the locker room's so great. It's usually the opposite. So it, we know about this. And because of that, we should know how to take steps to prevent our locker rooms from becoming trash 
And because something didn't go right, you know, we had a bad day or bad, something went bad with a client. Uh, one of those days where just nothing seems to go right. Parts, you know, if, whether you get them or not, uh, they come, they're right, they're wrong. They, they, they're not, you know, right. they're broken out of the box, um, boxed wrong. Uh, tech messes up, you know, makes an honest mistake, but it just keeps compiling and just seems to tank everybody. And it's like, you, we should know better. There's another great book that I'll have to recommend, and it's called Unoffendable. Now, it is written by a Christian DJ, and he wrote this book. And the concept is you shouldn't be offended at anything, right? As a Christian, and, and you know, whether or not you are, if you lend by the tenements of, of Christianity, you're, you're not supposed to be offended, right? I mean, Jesus, you, you, you don't judge people, right? But we judge everybody. But his concept is, it's funny, we, we tend to say, that's so surprising, and he's like, you know, like take your, you know, the, the couple that got a divorce and after they get a divorce, you know, you're sitting there with your wife and you go, man, it's so surprising, you know, they got a divorce. But then if you really reflect back at the path that those two people took, it's not surprising at all. Like they hated each other. They fought all the time. Every time you're at a party, they're throwing wine at each other. They're leaving angry. Like the buildup's been going on forever, but we don't say that. We go, oh, that's so surprising. And it's like, no, we should be like, yeah, that's not surprising at all. Like most of what happens, I agree with you. Like, why do we get upset? Like we should be able to say, you know what? I'm having a bad day today. I am, you know, and parts, parts are going to go wrong and other things are going to go wrong. And that's being yourself, right? But you don't have to be an a-hole, right? When you're, when, you're, when you're not having a good day, you're just like, hey, you know, give me some space. Give me a little bit of time and, and I'm good, right? It plays a little bit into uh, an idea I want to do for an episode. I'm just not sure how to put it together. Uh, with statistics and how uh, statistics are misused so horrifically. And yeah, and yes, something something called Simpsons Paradox, and I'm not sure Simpsons Paradox plays directly into what we're talking about, but that's what drove me into start thinking about doing something stati on statistics in that you know, the Simpsons Paradox basically is you can have a set of statistics and with no context outside of statistics. So a story of what you're looking at that to put them into perspective, just looking at the numbers, you can come up with two different conclusions that are 180 degrees apart of one another or opposite of one another. And sure. A hundred percent accurate from those perspectives until you get the context. And, and so that's an idea where I'm going with this is statistical control that, you know, it's like we have this idea, like you're saying surprised, it's like anything that deviates from this mean becomes surprising. Yep. Even though it might it might fall within statistical control. Whatever whatever, you know, we're going to set up as our right. you know high and low ends or thresholds or whatever, but we we seem so surprised when it deviates just a little bit off that mean and that could be what you're saying or any of the suggestions made where the day isn't quite what we would expect. The, the flow with this client didn't go the way it would normally go. But in general, over, the, over a wide range of time, we're well within statistical control. And maybe we do have a couple of yeah outliers here and there, which have to happen. And you're going to always start out with more outliers at the beginning of whatever management philosophy you're taking or you know, assuming the shop's not doing as well as you would like. And you know, now you're going to start putting things in right. processes, whatever, that things are going to get tighter and tighter and better that 
you're still going to have these outliers and they allow you to uh, continue to make improvements to the system. I can't agree with you more that, wow, you know, that deviates off that mean a little bit and they just like, it, it tanks the day, it tanks the week. Yeah, if you think about what's really, and that's what you're saying, I mean, a, a big variance, right, is a surprising event. I mean, employee getting in a car wreck. And it should be. That's surprising. Uh, an employee passing away is surprising. But you're, you're right. Throughout our normal day, your, your variance is not very big. But we do. But we do, but we do find, and, and, you know, we, oh, I can't believe that happened again. Oh, <laughs> well, no, you can. Yep. Yep. I mean, you really can, right? I mean, come on. You know, uh, and we can take it to, you know, training techs or, you know, the, the way that, I mean, I, the, we're not going to solve any of the problems overnight. We're not going to, I mean, it's going to take time. It's going to take good people. It's going to take a lot of, you know, Hey, I'm going to tell you right now, I got four guys within the age of 18 to 23 working for wow. both my shops right now. And they're good. Like wow. I, I, and I'm blessed. Like I'm like, man, I am good. They are young. Sure. They're making mistakes, but man, we're, we're correcting them and we're doing everything we can. Like I tell all my young guys, Matt, I probably shouldn't. I say, look, you're going to cost me about $4,000. And, and most of them, you know, every once in a while I get a guy who doesn't, but damn, I got one who was really good for a couple months and now he's, you know, I think he's wrecked up about 2000. He goes, well, I still got 2000 to go. And I'm like, no, that's not like your goal, you know, like, but I'm not going to be surprised when you mess up because it's what you do as a young learning technician. Right. And I can't have these high expectations. And once again, that variance, like my, my master techs, I absolutely can. But my new people, I've got to give them grace. I've got to, you know, and, and maybe, you know, going back to this idea, you know, instead of us finding the, the, yeah, the, the fear in life, going and embracing the joy, right? Having young people in your shop, having an auto repair shop in today's climate with, with, the, you know, the, all the things that are happening right now. I mean, we're, you know, who is it? Bill Nalu. There's a couple of them say all this time. I'm, we're just blessed to be shop owners, right? What a blessing. And, and man, I, we are. We're blessed to be a part of the industry that's probably going to be doing pretty well for the next, I don't you know, well, electric cars come in 10 years or 15. They're coming, but we'll adjust, but it's not coming overnight. And I think Bill uh, was on Carm's uh, podcast and I, they did an episode about gratefulness. And um, yeah, and, and of course, I think it ties in a little bit with what we're talking about in that I, I guess I grew up around uh, my grandparents' farm implement dealership. And for whatever reason, they were very um, almost, I mean, I, I, when I say ecstatic, I don't want to make it sound like childish jumping up and down, but they were, sure. they were, they were just appreciative yeah, that you chose them. Not that there was farm implement dealers lining the highway, like there is auto repair shops. Yeah. So they had a little yeah, bit, yeah. you know, a little bit more of a trapped market. But they were still ecstatic that you chose them. You chose to bring your business to them. So that's I was awesome. that was what I grew up around and thought that's just the way it was. And right. it, you know, of course, that's not normal, it turns out. So I know you don't like working on that, you know, whatever car you go. <laughs> As to not offend any yeah. car manufacturer. No. If you don't whatever car is in your bay, like you may not be overly overjoyed that it's this brand or this problem, but you should be grateful that there, there's a car there. You have a, a job, a career up in the front. 
you know, they walked through our door. They they called our phone number. They right. text messaged us. Right. You know, they emailed us. They have all these I other agree. choices. So a little small town, you know, Red Wing, 16,000 people. I think we have 20, around 20, 20 plus different places that will fix a car. And they chose us. Right. That, I mean, it should be, you know, overwhelmed <laughs> or, or, you know, just almost humbled. Uh, I don't know. But I think you carry yourself like that, Matt. I mean, everybody knows your, you know, your intro. We didn't do an intro on you, but obviously the influence that you have over this industry, the words you've won of this industry and all that, you're a humble dude. You're a smart dude. You're a guy who gives this industry, you give back to the people. And so, yeah, you could, but you're right. I mean, looking at it saying, hey, they're coming to me. Like these people are coming into my door. That's cool. Right. And, and I mean, I think that's awesome. I look, I magazine cover or not, I'm honored, completely honored that I'm on a magazine cover. And I've had so many people like, Oh, you're in a magazine cover. I'm like, I'm still Chris. I am still like, I still have lots of problems, lots of issues. You know, man, it did not change anything. Right. And no, I'm not not getting paid all this extra money for, I've had people ask me like, how much more are you making? What? Like, I have the why, same problem. Why, why I didn't understand that. When I get on a magazine, I get paid because I, yeah. I, yeah. So that's fine. It's it's just that maybe we're we're maybe one of your episodes should be on the uh, the uh, um, the chasing the fame chasing society that we've become. That somehow if you you become an influencer, then you can make billions of dollars by having a YouTube channel. And I don't even know. I don't even I don't even know how. Yeah, to how do we monetize this? <laughs> magazine covers, awards. Hey guys, Matt here talking to you about what the Napa Auto Care Center program can do for your business. You probably already know the Napa brand is the most recognized and trusted name in the automotive aftermarket industry. In fact, studies show nearly 95% of customers recognize Napa and associate it with quality parts, service, and technical expertise. So why not complete a pro image upgrade and take advantage of that? ProImage is a co-branding program for the exterior and interior of your shop. On the outside, it includes the Napa colors and distinctive Napa signage. While the public may know you as a reliable, locally owned business, a ProImage upgrade helps set your shop apart from the competition even further. It is also a visual signal to your customers and potential customers that you and Napa are partners. Most importantly, ProImage really works. This co-branding opportunity has helped Napa Auto Care Centers across the country increase their car counts and sales. In fact, those that have completed the ProImage project enjoy an average of 23% sales increase during their first year. ProImage upgrades are also available for the interior of your shop. A ProImage interior upgrade transforms your customer waiting area from merely utilitarian to warm and welcoming. The goal is to maintain your shop's independent identity while enhancing the customer's experience. You can get a free look at what a pro image exterior or interior upgrade can look like by visiting the Napa Auto Care member site and clicking on the Napa Pro Image link under the Napa Pro Image tab. Or contact your local Napa Auto Parts store. Your servicing Napa store can tell you more about Pro Image plus the hundreds of other reasons to become part of the Napa Auto Care family, the largest network of independent auto repair shops in the country. What do you do with, I mean, first as a leader, you have to change your own mindset, right? And is that enough to really start buying into it? Maybe almost to the point of, 
you know, I don't know, putting some sort of an affirmation on the bathroom mirror or something that. Man, I was about to say, dude, I am a big affirmation person. I am, dude. I actually, it's funny. I'm teaching my daughters about affirmations, right? I, I use them. I have in my wallet. I have a couple affirmations every time I open my wallet. I don't see them, but they're in there and I know they're there. And, you know, when I do this and I don't carry cash months, but I'll see them, right? It reminds me of there. It was something that Jim Carrey used to do, right? When he was waiting tables, he used to have the affirmation in his wallet to say, I'm going to be this famous actor. So I have, I've got my goals in there. I've got, and then, you know, I, I've told my daughters, you know, the cue cards, they read at night. Because if you think about it, what happens throughout the day is that negative self-talk comes in and it, it kills us. And it kills us as, as people, as leaders, as husbands, as, as fathers, as, I mean, you make, and we, once again, we're human. So mistakes are common, right? They're not the, they're not the exception. They're the rule. We, we're mistake-ridden people. Like, I'm surprised that anything works in this world. I mean, when you start taking things apart and, you know, you're like, I, really? I mean, I, from all the way working in fast food, when I used to work in fast food, I'm like, oh my God, I, you know, I, I'm surprised that that works to anything. And I'm not saying there's not some organizations you get into that really have it going on, but I mean, that self-doubt when you start, you know, getting into your day and man, you make one mistake and you're like, crap, I did that again. And then man, the next thing. And then by the end of the day, your ass is, excuse me, your butt is so kicked that you're defeated and, and you don't want to start the next day. So I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Affirmation, man, I have posters on the wall that I print out all over my house that have, you know, different sayings and affirmations. Um, I, I'm a big believer and, and I believe, yeah, that's people have to start with know thyself, right? You know, what, what, what brings you joy? And I'm going to tell you this, Matt, that's a question I think a lot of people don't ask themselves is, is what brings you joy? Are you willing and it's not that hard. I mean, how many times did you sit down and you write down, hey, here's all the things that bring me joy? Uh, I'd, I'd say that most people don't do it, right? And they kind of know, but then they do all these things in the week yep. that don't really bring them joy. <laughs> and, and then they wonder why the hell that they aren't very happy, right? I mean, and it's not that simple. I mean, my God, it's, you know, I mean, trust me. I mean, we all struggle with this, right? I mean, we struggle with it. But at least I, I agree with the, the, the concept of, yeah, I mean, you got to start somewhere. And if that's positive self-talk, it's not a stupid – athletes do it. High, you know, high execs do it. Successful people use affirmations, and they use them constantly, right? You know, I don't want to go on tangents. I don't think this is much of one, but it just follows what I tell my kids. Because I feel like they've been sold a line of BS at school where, you know, oh, yeah. find something you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying you need to go find anything and do it. Although that's not a horrible idea. And, you know, follow the money. Find Follow what's going to enable you to be able to do what you truly enjoy. Because what you really, really enjoy doing, what brings you joy, may not be able to be monetized. Yeah, my That's son, he's true. big into, um, he wants to be a, um, like forged in fire. He wants to, I don't want to say a, uh, so much a blacksmith, but a, like a bladesmith. You know, he's nice. looking at schools okay. for it. And I'm, you know, it's like, now I, you know, his mother and I are divorced. Now you got this bad polar thing going on polar opposites where she's super supportive and i'm like dude you really you think you're gonna go get a degree and then you're just gonna go get a job forging knives like that just seems wildly 
yeah. like very low probabilities. However, right. why why not aim at something that pays the bills and allows you to build your you know workshop forge? I'm about to pull out the Bible, <laughs> dude. I'm gonna tell, and everybody like God, dog it, Chris pulling out the Bible. Um, yeah, because that's what um, <laughs> because that's another it's another good book. But I'm gonna give you this, and this is the one. This is what I tell. Uh, uh, this drives me. Because I, I'm one of those people who do, does all kinds of things, right? I mean, I own a software company, I own auto repair shops. And it says, uh, man does not know what God will, or what good will come. When the clouds are full, they pour out rain upon the earth. Whether a tree falls in the south or to the north, wherever it falls, there shall it lie. One who pays heed to the wind will not sow, and one who watches the clouds will never reap. Just as you know not how the breath of life fashions the human frame in the mother's womb, so you not know the work of God, which he is accomplishing in the universe. In the morning, sow your seed, and in the evening, let not your hand be idle, for you, not, for you know not which of the two will be successful or whether both alike will turn out well. To me, I mean, that's a powerful one, Ecclesiastes, yeah. Ecclesiastes. But like, what says that he can't go learn how to, forge knives, but then he also learns engineering, right? I mean, so I, so I played music, Matt, I, you know, but you know, the whole time I was playing music, you know what my parents told me? Go get a degree. And I'm like, nah, don't be a rock star. <laughs> you don't understand. Like I've got it all planned out. It's going to work so well. I mean, you know, but they were like, get a degree, Chris, we don't care. Go be a rock star the rest of your life. Get a degree. I'm like, uh, okay, so it took me a long time to get a, a degree. I'm, we don't have to discuss that. Because David Grohl is one of the very, 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 very few to make very it. Very few. He's the exception. Yeah. Right. The rule is they all, we lose. I mean, you yeah, had the thing on Metallica. There's another one that is the exception. Most musicians will never, I mean, I, mean, I played in front of all kinds of people, but we just, you can't make a living doing it. So I'm glad that they pushed me and said, Chris, look, you could do both. And my parents always said, look, go play in a band and go work. But you, so I, the whole time I was playing a band, I was working, I got my degree, I started working in software and all that creativity I had from in the band days. It's interesting because I got to bring it all over to auto repair and software and all this stuff. I mean, so it's kind of funny, you know, the whole Steve Jobs, and not that I'm comparing myself anywhere close, but just the way stars connect sometimes, right, in your life. I don't not want to play guitar because I find joy in playing guitar, but the realistic expectation is I'm, I'm never going to make more than $20 a gig, you know, and there's other ways that I can fulfill myself and, and still find joy, and, and that's, you know, and works. I mean, business is hard, but I love it, right? I love it. That's what I love. I love being an entrepreneur because it's still creative, it's still allowing me to do things that are creative and, and fulfill my mind. Yeah. And put yourself in the best position that if you were going to make it as a guitar player or whatever, a band member in a band, that that would happen. Brian May from yeah. Queen, was he was a, a brain surgeon? Astrophysicist. Yeah, he's got yeah, papers, yeah. yeah. Astrophysicist. He's, he's, he's written papers. Yeah. So who says you can't? And that, once again, and, and I think the Bible, it's a great verse, right? I mean, what you you're given an opportunity, whether you believe, whether you believe or not, doesn't matter. You're given an opportunity. What are you doing with the opportunity? Right. I mean, you're, if you're, you're a Gary V listener, we like Gary V Gary V's, you know, you're one in 4 trillion that you're even here. Your chance is one in 4 trillion. You, you won the lottery. If you're on this earth, Yeah. what are you going to do with it? 
you know, my dad carry was a rural carrier. He did it mainly because of the money and even more so we we're little kids, the benefits. Nice. It turns out, you know, he didn't like sitting in a car for four hours a day, putzing around from mailbox to mailbox, but he did like sure. helping people or how much people really right appreciated, on. maybe not in the first year, but over the, over the years, especially when the subs would come in, how much they appreciated their mail coming on time, taken care of. Uh, and then he would go the extra mile. So instead of like a lot of them would, if you had packages or whatever, they'd just lay them on the mailbox or stuff them in the mailbox or lay them under the mailbox. He would bring them up to the house and set them uh, somewhere before he had to really worry about people stealing stuff like they do nowadays, unfortunately. Right. Uh, but they would appreciate that. And that turned out that's what, that's what brought joy to this job, you know? And on top of that, it allowed him to provide, um, you know, whatever life, uh, for his family. And his kids, that was it. His family bought him joy, right? And taking care of it. My dad did the same, man. His family brought him joy. So he, man, he was an engineer, electrical engineer. And every morning he got up the same time, put on the same suit, drove the same hour to the job, came home. I mean, it was like clockwork, man. And, and, you know, I was like, how can he do this? Like, this is not, I thought he was, you know, from a different world. And then I realized, no, I mean, he, his joy was taking care of his family. And he liked he and he found things in his job that he liked, right? I mean, there's there's no question. Uh, and we're all different, right? I, I mean, we're all thank God we're all <laughs> some different. of us more different than others. <laughs> right, right. But I, yeah, I would not call myself a car guy. If you ask me, a, yeah, if you asked me about, you know, whatever muscle cars or whatever uh, exotic cars or my favorite cars, eh, you know, yeah. I, it just never really appealed to me, but problem solving yeah. puzzles. That's what I live you love for. It. I do too. Yep. And yep. it's yep. almost Absolutely. like the actual repair means very, very little to me. There's very little interest on my end of performing the repair, take it apart, put it back together. I don't get a whole lot out of that, but if I can figure out what's right. wrong and why and do it and whatever conjured time frame as I've made up or somebody else has made up for me that I get a rise out of and, and then learning sure. new stuff, absolutely, learn, um, technologies or, uh, I, I, I guess, yeah, it'd just be technologies like, you know, the, the EEPROM stuff and circuit board stuff is very intriguing to me. I'm not good at it at all, but it's very entertaining and freaking Tanner sure. Brandt. Sure. That jerk. <laughs> he's messaging me about some new technology yep. for tire pressure monitoring and now nice. it's taking over my life. <laughs> Thanks nice. a lot, Tanner. Tanner, he does that. Yeah. That's what that guy does. I was sleeping all night. That's what that guy night. does. Not anymore. Just... <laughs> <laughs> nice. Back to the ball humbug. I'm going to say, is ball humbug a bad thing? Is it a good thing? I'm gonna, once again, I think I'm going to agree and say it is a reality of some days are going to be bah humbug. And I think like you go back to say, I, sometimes that's okay. I, I think sometimes that's an okay answer, right? And I, I think as humans, it, we are, you know, once again, we're all over. We're, we're actually not surprised. We're all over the place. Like, I mean, you know, you read the paper. Yeah, everybody reads paper. I mean, is it, 
Is it really that I mean, is it really that surprising as soon as we got, you know, it, people could go out and, and gather in crowds that they gather in crowds? No, because we like, I mean, we're, that's, we're human nature. We like to, people like to be around people. Like, that's never going to change. So how we're like surprised, like, oh my God, like, why are people wanting to be around people? Since the beginning of time, we, you know, yeah. people collected, they created <laughs> yeah. tribes and tribes grew into nations. And, you know, I mean, no, I'm not saying we don't war and we don't like not like the other tribes, but even when we're sitting there talking about the other tribe, we're like, we don't like them, but we're talking to our friends in our tribe about the tribe we don't like. Right. So I, I know thyself, find that I, I would say, you know, find the joy, you know, and, and once again, if you're, if you're, if you're not, and this is tough. And I, you know, I, I also consult, you know, I help business guys and, you know, people ask me questions. I don't mind asking questions, but you know, a lot of times too, people take this. It's funny what you said is, you know, if you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And I'm like, no, no, I actually work a crap ton. Like I work all the freaking, like anybody who tells you that an entrepreneur or business owner doesn't work, like is come like, I'm sorry. You, you know, be prepared for 60, 70, 80 hours. And people are like, what? You work on Saturday and Sunday? I'm like, I work evenings. I work morning. I work when the work has, like, there's no boss telling you what to do when you got to do it. You just got to do it. But once again, part of my joy is, is look, I, I like the freedom to be able to work all the time. I mean, it's sick, right? But at least I'm free. And I could say I don't want to work all the time too, but I like, like you, I like learning about new stuff. I like challenging myself. I like figuring things out. I mean, you know, trying to get a Tesla right now, trying to get a Tesla for my shops to figure out how we can take it apart and rebuild it and take it apart, rebuild it. And my God, they're expensive. And one guy just blew one up on the news for, because the battery cost $21,000. So I'm like, crap, I'm going to end up blowing one up, which is cool because he got a lot of views on his YouTube channel, I think. So, you know, there's always that. That could be my influencer video that I start with, but I like that too. So I'm, you know, there's lots of opportunities and I find joy in the opportunities I think that are out there, but not to say that I don't get, you know, my, my, you know, your dude, some days I am the windshield, you know, I'm the bug, I'm the windshield. Yeah. And that's what it's both. I mean, that's what drives you. And there's the, you know, someone, I don't want to say the polar opposite because there's the ones that worked however long, how I don't think the time frame is important. They worked X amount of time to build uh, whatever it is, you know, we're auto repair uh, involved in auto repair shops. You're an owner that we're talking primarily about that. There's nothing wrong with you work really, really hard to build it up to this point of where now it, it runs on its own. And then you're that owner that can now either pursue other interests and maybe they're entrepreneurial. And some of them, maybe it's just, I'm going to, uh, one of, one of my favorite shop owners, his dream, and I believe he attained it, his dream was to get the shop to the point where him and his wife could buy a really, really nice truck and a really, really nice camper, pull behind camper, and That's awesome. just basically go in a circle of the United States visiting grandkids. That was the goal because his kids... That's awesome. Yeah. The, the kids That's did awesome. a shotgun flatter pattern <laughs> all awesome. over the country for, for whatever reasons. Nice. And they never get to see the grandkids. Nice. So what he wanted to do was let's get it built up and whatever processes and people and stuff set up that I'm going to buy this really nice truck and I'm going to get this really, really nice camper. And we're just going to go in a circle around the United States until we can't anymore. I mean, that's great. That's, 
right? That's awesome. I think what I think what happens too much too Matt is we it's you know nobody likes the term keeping up with the Joneses and as you as you know everybody in the industry you keep up with the Joneses you're going to have a lot of people say no heck no I don't care but look it, we're competitive I'm I like to win like I like to so if you know if I've got one shop and some guy has three shops I'm like all right I want three shops right I want four shops so I can have one more than that guy right so you get in these rooms and you get all these type A that we shouldn't do that, right? And, and I say that as it don't ever play me against any game because I'll throw the Monopoly <laughs> board at you if I lose. I'll I'll throw the deck of cards like I'll. But we we get in this comparing ourselves based off of success, you know, and that criteria, and then puts expectations on us. I think that's great, right? When somebody knows themselves and they're like, "Man, this is what we want to do." I, it doesn't need to be ten shops; it could be one. And that's as long as it's good, I'm good. The only thing I would throw in it's not like cautionary. I I think it's just. If we go back in time away a ways, uh, pre mass media or even I don't know if internet would necessarily be the right thing, but around that time, from that time and back, you had your neighbors, and maybe it wasn't even so sure. much competitive. Like I want to be better, but uh, I think Doctor uh, Brett Weinstein uses this as an example that you, you live in the country. You're a farmer, and I'm not saying a cash cropper necessarily, but maybe you are. It doesn't matter, but you, you're you growing whatever, corn. And you right. are doing about one bushel an acre. Your neighbor is doing you know, two bushels an acre. What What is he doing different than I am? Has he got better ground than me? I mean, we're right next to each other, and you maybe you start watching. And there is competitiveness. Right. Maybe you want more than two bushels an acre, but man, you would like to at least have two bushels an acre. Uh, and I think that's normal and super healthy. The only thing that would, the, the cautionary Absolutely. part would be is now we live in a day and age where we have this big piece of glass in front of us, maybe not actual glass, but a screen via television or <laughs> social media computers. And we get to see a lot of people and what they're doing. Or at least what they want to tell us they're doing or let us think they're doing. Amen, brother. So now you get in this weird competition yeah. or you feel like you're not keeping up. A lot like reading off your bio. No. <laughs> Making me feel like a failure. <laughs> not fair, not fair. Hold on. Hold on. You, you know, you know, say the first 40 years of my life, I set the bar really low <laughs> so I could trip over the next 40 years. Damn it. I've already accelerated it too much. I mean, I've got still 40 more. I got 30 years left or, or 31 years left to go. So I, I need to slow down. <laughs> I'm setting the bar too high already. First 40, but first 40, I said it really low, Matt. I have like no pedigree before <laughs> in the first 40. So luckily you're only what? 41. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Maybe a couple of years older, but um, that's but right. yeah, you, you can get caught in a bad spot trying to compete with something that's either right. not realistic or not real, period, conjured for your viewing, right? Or right. Uh, you don't know the details and it's not realistic to be competitive with that. That there's there's stuff right. worth compete or, or keeping up with. And uh, then I agree, tremendous motivator. Uh, and then why we, you know, kind of denounce it or shun it, really, uh, I'll never, I don't understand. It's, we live in a weird time. No, that's a great, 
We we do, and that's a great point. You know, you're right that the the social media has ex- ex- accelerated the our exposure to what other people have, and and you know, and and it's once again, I, it's funny. I struggled with winning for a long time because I I now I'm not as bad a winner as I used to be when I was young, but I was really bad because I was raised in a Catholic family of six, so our dad didn't let us win anything. Um, so we 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 fought to win. Um, luckily, I you know, and then for a while there, I'm like, Lord, I don't want to win anymore. And then you know, I stopped trying to win, and then I was super unhappy. Like this sucks. Like, and then the Lord's like, "No, look, Chris, you can win. Just like win for yourself. Like, don't, don't gloat and don't like understand why. You, like, it's okay. Winning's okay. It's how you win, right? Um, and and so I think you're right. Like, you can sit in a twenty group with nineteen other people, shop owners, and man, you can share your experiences. And once again, I appreciate being on like your radio show. I think it's cool that what you've done in the industry and the experiences you've shared, because you're touching other people, right? You're like you could covet what you have and the knowledge you have, or you could go out and you could help the industry and you could help other people. And a lot of times you don't understand the ripples in the wave that, that happen, Right. So, you know, sitting in a 20 group and then be able to, to talk to other people or be able to share ideas or, you know, I think that's, that's, that's a good, it's a good place to be, right. You, just, you know, it's the envy that comes in, I think that starts to tear us apart when we become envious of others. And, and I'm, and, but I'm human, dude. I'm going to tell you, I am, there are people, there are things that I get envious of sometimes. And I got to stop myself and say, stop. Like, what are you doing? Like, that's their life. Like your life is like, and just going back to being thankful just for what you have, but just going back to like what you said about your parents, just them being thankful what they, you know, the, 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 what they had and the people walking through the door. And we just, we forget that too quick and too easy because we were watching all these things on the social media screen that tell us we need to be better, bigger, sexier, you know, on more magazine covers. A repercussion of uh, not having a lot of really any scripting to this is ideas pop into my head and I should, I should go right. research it more. But it's kind of that Wizard of Oz effect right. where Dorothy... I, absolutely. That's another good theme. You should, write, you should be writing your themes down as you go through your I know, shows. I you should. should have a notepad There's next a lot to of you, Matt. I should do. Grow up as <laughs> sure. one of them. No. Uh, <laughs> Wizard of Oz, you could argue... I think you could make a strong argument. Dorothy goes crazy trying to get out of her situation. And... and Maybe it was all dreams 100%. or whatever, but she kind of went off the deep end and through this tremendous journey only to get back to the end and realize that if she wanted to find that joy or contentness, she really, if you don't find it in your you know backyard, you're looking in the wrong place or you're not looking through the right lenses. Step back. Right. It's probably too close. You probably got to step back a little bit and really start processing things. And uh, and I think that's what we keep coming back to is um, the this oftentimes self-imposed pressure now translating into how you're interacting with those that enable you to have everything, everything you... Okay, pr- provided everything you get is from your business, which I think most shop owners are sure. that the, the only reason sure, the sure. building's there is because the client's walking in the door. And as a technician, the only reason right. you're paying right. your bills and getting that paycheck, you know, redistribution of wealth is from your boss or the, the owner is because of the people walking through that door. And I think we just forget that way, way, way too often. It's, 
We do. You're, you're, you're a music yes. guy, Soundgarden. There's a great line, and and uh, and it, it uh, what is it? The grass is always greener because that's <laughs> yeah. where the dogs are, you know, crapping, right? And uh, you know, and it's a great line, right? I mean, it's a great song, and it's like, oh man, yeah. I mean, it, it's the truth. Sometimes, oh man, it looks better over there, and then you jump over the fence, you're like, crap. Yep. There's crap everywhere. Right? Damn it! That's why the grass is so green. But stepping back, I think is tough, um, man. It, it's funny. I, I, you know, been feeling under the weather these last couple of days. Um, hey, still trying to have a merry Christmas, but uh, but I. The good thing is, is, I need to. I need to reflect. It's the end of the year to think about goals and everything, and and read, and you kind of reflect and set new goals for next year and stuff like that. So. It's funny. It almost takes me getting sick to do that, though, Matt. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I wasn't feeling under the weather, I I would find the 10 important things that need to be done, you know, or the 10 urgent things that need to be done. And, and I would, the important things, which is me reflecting and looking at goals, you know, so, you know, God has a funny way of working things and sometimes slowing me down. Um, Cause I think you're right, man. It's just, it's just not easy sometimes well, and, to sit back and, and reflect on, on what we do sick, and don't have, right. Depending on, you know, the level of sickness, but just enough where you're probably, you're not doing much work. You you get the no. My mind slowed down when I get sick. I get a fog, so it's slow. I can have like one. Yeah, see, but that's normal for me. And so you're probably not as sick as you think. Uh, <laughs> I'm no. I usually have like 18 <laughs> voices in my head, so one voice is good. One voice is really good. But, but you get you license yeah. yourself for that time. Legitimately, I'm sick. I, I I can't do this, but now I have time to just let my mind wander. And then, and, then, and that's when you're doing the reflection, right? right? Like I told somebody once that, right. Uh, you know, they're like, why don't you own your own shop? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, cause all the employees would hate me. Cause they'd walk by my office. If my office had a window and they'd see me in my chair spinning in a circle, staring at the ceiling. Why? <laughs> yeah. Can't cause I can't afford to go to the amusement park, but because I would just be staring at the ceiling <laughs> thinking, you know, what, what would it look like to do right. this? What, what would it take to do this? Yeah. What, why not? You know, and then who do I need right, to call? Right. Is this a, is this one of those calls you call in the accountant or who, who do I call about? You know, <laughs> right. That, that's what I would be doing. I just, just and then they'd be. <laughs> that's okay, Matt. It, so if you think that our life is any different than what you just described, man, you just, you just, you just summarize the entrepreneur in one statement sitting in chairs, spinning around, staring at the ceiling. That is what we all do. That's wonderful. I've never, you know, I've had, never had to put that way towards me. <laughs> Excuse that's me. what I would do. Well, I'm going to use that, man. Yeah. I'm going to use that's that. That's what I would be doing <laughs> a lot. I know this is definitely a tangent, but I, I just can't not ask about it. What's that? I really am interested in the cameras uh, and videoing uh, for not not micromanaging, but just knowing and kind of where that's at. And then an idea you and I were talking about a while ago about what is the feasibility of it? And then I think addressing some of the repercussions of or, or where it could go bad. But first of all, you have a system, um, at least beta uh, stage. Yeah. Where you're... Beta kind yeah. of videoing bays and I guess I'll just let you take it off 
take over from there because I don't want to assume to what detail, but I thought it was mainly about more or less the Bay production rather than what the tech's actually doing and following the tech around. That's absolutely it, right? And that's step one is the Bay productivity, how long a car sits in Bay, which Bay it's in, and it's been if it's been in multiple Bays, and then taking that and comparing it to your work order times, to your check-in times, to your diagnosing times. And like you said, not necessarily micromanaging the process, but just understanding the process better. I think anytime that you get numbers involved or you, the whole you know, old saying that you can't, you know, can't manage what you can't measure. So we talk about Bay productivity. And a lot of times we have all these other numbers that we, we go by, but we don't just have this real raw number, which is really how much this Bay is being utilized and how, how much idle time it has, how much car idle time it has, how much, because what we do is we tend to, and, and you know how this goes, a, a day gets busy and your mind forgets what, to, this happens with anybody and everybody whether your day gets busy, your your mind goes and time goes by fast. So your mind goes speeds up. Everything goes by fast. When you're excited, your things go by fast. When you're having fun, things go by fast, right? And this is a natural thing that we lose track of time. It's just the way we're wired, right? And it's there's all kinds of psychology behind it. Doesn't matter. So a lot of times we have a misconception about what's actually happening in our base. So the initial thought is to track the the vehicle times via cameras, and we looked at like short range frequency like RFID, short range frequency like toll tag, you know, toll readers and all this other stuff. But there's equipment costs with that, which which we find that the object recognition with cameras now has gotten so good that we can use a couple cameras in the base now to start dialing in. And and it's looking for a license plate, but now we're even we've progressed the technology where we can look at the make and model if we don't see the license plate. And we could look at the color, the make, and the model, and we can match it up with the inventory, wow. you know, in the system, right? So if you've got a, you know, a white Ford F one fifty, and we can't read the license plate, well, you only have one, one Ford white one fifty, so we can tag the vehicle and say, okay, well, this is the vehicle that you have in your inventory right now. So here's how, you know, we're looking at the inventory. So that's kind of the first progression, but it will get to technician, right? Because one of the other problems you have is technician clocking on and off on buttons. And I'm a button, like I've built software on buttons and people pressing buttons, but it's all wrong, right? I mean, pressing buttons is, is horribly, it's, it's horrible. I, computers and m- m- mouses and they're the most malformed, the QWERTY keyboards are the stupidest thing that was ever invented. Um, you know, God bless the person who invented it, the mouse. So Taking that and gritting the natural, you know, hey, you go move on the vehicle. Once you're on the vehicle, you know, I'm not saying you're not still clocking on and off the job, but what if we can say, look, body time, total body time on this car was, you know, hour and, you know, you only clocked 10 minutes and you're in or whatever, or, you know, you, you, you left the timer running and you clocked two hours and you told your boss, no, I was actually, I was only on there for an hour. And he says, no, that's been sitting in there for a couple hours. And it actually, the camera says, no, actually, body time is only an hour, right? So th- there's, it's truth in numbers and data and, and getting, I think, to more granular level of, of bay management. And, and that's what it really goes down to. I think we're, we're going to be able to fine-tune the processes in our shops to this very you know, high level, um, and high level, low level, whatever you want to call it. We're really dialing in on efficiencies and productivities, which is funny. It, you know, we talk about that. Okay, well, the world's broken and everything like that. But, you know, if, have you yes. watched the movie Founder? Yes. You're a Six Sigma guy, right? And you watched the movie Founder when yep. the guy set up the McDonald's 
and they're on the tennis court and they're moving around the fires oh, oh. and they're it, yep. it, it's a beautiful scene of of efficiency right so you know we, we it, how, what can you do with the data to make your shop more efficient because we know that we need to get cars in and out as quickly as we can we know that we you know you can't build more building it's hard to build more building so how can we become more productive and efficient you got to be careful with any technology it could be bad social media wasn't made no. to be bad right? yeah, yeah. it just turned into something that unfortunately is bad but it, and the initial thing was guy was trying to rate women online right i think that was the initial concept was you know not rating women and men. I think that's what yep. was it. But so I think you're right. I, I, there's a danger there, an inherent danger that could happen. But it's kind of it, it's in the power of the beholder, right? I don't even need my microphone on for this because you're just you're hitting everything I would have came up with a question or a comment, and which is awesome for me. Uh, you know, social media, of course, it was not created to be inherently bad. It was put people in touch. We just didn't understand the repercussions of the Correct. tribalism. And then Correct. the algorithms written to just keep your attention Correct. longer. That's how they made their money was with your attention. No, they didn't. Nobody right. predicted that. And it worked and it worked really, really well. And way beyond what they expected. Yeah. All this data, depending on who's uh, making the decisions based off that data, is it, is it the one who, who like the founders? Or at least the McDonald's brothers. Are we going to take this data and try to make everyone's life easier? Or, you know, within the work environment and our clients, what is going to make that customer experience the best it possibly could be and give them the most bang for their buck, the most value for their time and money investing in us and our services? And the natural reper- or I shouldn't say the natural repercussions, the natural consequences or the natural flow of that would be to streamline everything that goes on the front of house, the back of house, how they interact. And mm. it fundamentally should go, should become a very, very, very good thing for everybody because now you have somebody in management using this data to remove obstacles from whatever productivity, uh, we could go on and on listing off all these different examples of how they could make um, things better and remove obstacles or is it going to be leveraged against everybody this is my le- I'm going to use right. this data to leverage it against you as an employee or a customer mainly employees then I'm not saying it's evil it's just not being used the way it was probably intended when it was designed and Long term, if you're thinking long term, that it wouldn't be the way you'd want to uh, use that data for in- increasing your business and or growing your business or improving your business. That uh, this leverage thing is uh, is not going to work the way you think it does. And you know, darn it, back to the freaking statistics. I go, yeah. I don't know why I'm on yeah. one on statistics, but ah, dang it. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think you, you so. You can throw anything back in somebody's face, right? And in this industry, and you look, I was just at the Adapt conference. It was interesting, right? About the the OEMs were on the stage saying, "Look, you know the ADOS systems that you're having to deal with." Sorry, ADOS isn't a thing; it's a lot of things. 
But these systems, as you use them, right, you're going to have to go through step by step again to make sure everything that goes back, right? So you're not just changing out a radiator anymore. You're having to make sure that all step by step, these things are being processed or they're being followed. Matt, didn't we just create an industry that throws everything out of the window and we pay them on the fact that they can zip those four bolts, snap those two hoses and get that thing done in 20 minutes and book times two hours so they can get on the next job? You know, good data, bad data, I don't know. I mean, I would say that we've kind of used that to ourselves, to our own disadvantage of what's coming in the future. So anything can be used for bad. Once again, I need you efficient, right? And I need you to knock jobs out as quickly as possible. And that might be what's going to end up biting the crap out of us in the next 10 years. Because we've looked at things wrong where we should have been just saying, hey, let's get the job done. Let's get a job done right. We should all be charging $250 an hour labor. We should all have, you know, parts margins at X number, you know, and we should be seen as a profession like we talk about and everybody talks about all the time versus, you know, anybody can fix your car, you know. Oh, so so it could the data could be used for bad. It could be used for micromanage. It could be used to, to beat you up, but... I guess what I'm saying is efficiency and productivity data is used all the time to beat technicians up all the time. And a lot of them will quit. I've had guys who were yep. fast and they were horrible <laughs> yep. and they don't last very long. I've got guys who are thorough. They're not the fastest, but man, they don't have comebacks and I would hire 10 of them. I'm okay with that because I want the job done. I, I, you know, who, like, I don't know. There, there's sacrifices we make. So yeah, it could be used for bad. Hopefully it'll be used to, like you said, move the widget, you know, through the factory that much quicker, right? And we can find our bottlenecks and we can find the, I mean, this is how Amazon gets you the widget from wherever to your house overnight. And sometimes within hours now, it's all, you know, logistics of making sure you're, you're seeing the whole picture and, you know, and holistically, there's no guessing. Everything's tracked from the time that widget is, you know, conceived to the time that it's delivered and everything's managed, tracked and, and we like that. We live in a, in a society where we like things, you know, to happen quickly. Unlike the person I saw on Facebook today that's sitting at a barbecue restaurant for two hours and they said they had to catch on, a, get on a plane. And like, is it worth it? And I'm thinking, no, oh, man, <laughs> get on the plane. Why are you wait two hours? It'd have to be really good. Yeah. If you listen to me and Carm show, we go off on tangents all the time too. It's what I do. <laughs> kind of like what you were mentioning earlier with the beast we've created, you know, this monster we've created or the, the bed we've made and we're going to, we're laying in. That a lot of times we like to um, compare ourselves uh, and relate ourselves to the yep. medical profession, and it's not a bad comparison for the most part. Like you could get into some details that okay, it, it falls apart, but there's a lot of things that do a really nice. They they parallel well. I was thinking more like lawyers, Matt, but we could say doctors. I was thinking more like the lawyer profession, but yeah, I mean a doctor. <laughs> You want a certain <laughs> level of production. You know, the doctors, they, you know, they're yeah. supposed to see, and I, it would be what, maybe a general practice. I think for the most part, they kind of want them to see at least four patients an hour. Okay. Roughly. And some may be different, but it's a kind of a range. And, but the things they do that we do not, and it's playing right into the ADOS stuff and growing off of ADOS is documentation. We, we don't document squat and, and we get this technology. 
auto-text me makes it easy to document, which sounds like a freaking commercial. I'm sorry, but it's the truth. It's true, <laughs> right? Sure. And, and there's other systems out there that also allow you to document easier. And they're going to continue to improve yes. to make it easier and easier and get more and more in there and team with uh, various shop management systems that they you know, integrate to a certain degree or enough that, again, this documentation can get easier and faster. But we're so not used to doing it. Like it never occurs to anybody no. to walk out to the car, walk around it with a camera, take a snap, snap a photo of the you know, a dent or a scratch, and then get into the vehicle, start it up, take a picture of the instrument cluster with all the lights that are on because you know what's going to happen. You're going to run it in and you're going to do whatever you're going to do. And then you're going to, you know, hand it off to the next tech for the next job or, or you're going to park it. And then, Hey, my check engine light was on. I don't think it was on when I dropped it off. And then you go to the tech like, Hey, did you notice the check engine light was on? Uh, dude, I don't remember what I had for lunch. Like, and there you sit. Correct. And so we're just Correct. so not used to doing any of that, much less ADOS. This is the equipment I used. Here's a photo of the setup. Here's the, the before and the afters right. of you know what I'm aiming in the radar. So here's the measurements before calibration, right. after calibration. And I had to, you know, twist this adjustment a quarter, you know, turn to the right brought it into spec, you know, pictures of the brackets that were good, whatever it may be, that you're just stacking the odds in your favor that if anything would ever go sideways, that, you know, in front of a jury of your peers, you can say, look, I, yeah, right. At least as best you can. You know, if you end up in court, it's costing you money no matter what. But you did your due diligence and most likely uh, you're going to leave okay. And we're so so right. not used to it, and yet the medical profession, uh, document, 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 document. So I, I just, and I'm a technology guy, Matt. So I think anything that helps us, in I mean, any way that we can to to you know once again be able to dissect the process and then and even document the process, right? I mean, you know. Every time you get in car come in, you get pictures of the car. With the technology, things can get better and things are going to get better, right? And, and as we find more things that we want to pull out of it, it will. I mean, people have been using cameras in their base a long time now to document body damage, right? Oh, that didn't have a ding in there. Well, let's go rewind the camera and let's show you that actually it did, right? So what can you do with the pictures every time, you know, the car comes in real time and you snap a couple pictures, you know, from, from this bay, you know, watching software, you know, um, once again, I think there's a lot of possibilities of where it could go or what it's going to be. I, it's just one of those evolutions I think that we're going to get to, right. Um, as I, I think we just, my opinion, I, I, I'm not going to be able to grow my buildings that much bigger. I just got to make them, in my opinion, and one of the reasons why I created AutoTextMe is is all about productivity and efficiency, and and not just for the technician, for the whole enterprise, the whole back-end, front-end office, everybody communicating, being on the same page, everybody understanding what's going on, everybody collaborating, everybody, you know, that's the whole kind of digital revolution, I think, that not just our 
industries experience, but a lot of industries are experiences is just that, you know, software now gives you this insight with all these tools that we've just never had before. I mean, when we were going and researching all this stuff for Baywatcher, I mean, man, it was cool. There's, we were looking at these buildings and they'd have these mock-up buildings and in them, they'd have these devices that you know people would wear. They come in and check in whatever their little shortwave frequency. And so they like know in the building like where you're at any given time, how many steps you've taken. Like, and this is like manufacturing type stuff, right? So they're knowing like you know you think Jasper engine like they're they're counting steps, like they're counting down to you know accurate precision of how many times that you actually you know yeah there's seven footsteps on the on the ground but actually you took eight because you know we've got this precision saw i mean it's insane what what you can get and i'm not saying that you can't play whack-a-mole or some of the stuff can't go overboard it certainly can but once again i just think getting to the point where we have this ability with software and the tools and and you know the whole object recognition with driverless and all that we can start using it once again just for ourselves and our base to help us be a little more productive and efficient happens where a car has been in the base for 14 hours and, and my guys aren't aware. And I got a two hour ticket on it. Like, I'm not going to go beat anybody up on that, but I want you to like, are you aware of that? Do you know that? Do you, or do you understand that? Do you understand that this is happening? Cause that's an important thing, right? If you're not, if you're like, Nope, we understand it's been here. We can't get a hold of the owner. We're trying to do this. We're trying to do, okay, 14 hours and we've charged, zero dollars like i have every right as a business owner to make money so i can you know like you said uh share the wealth or whatever distribution wealth distribution so i can pay you a paycheck so i can keep the lights on the building so i can pay rent on the building like i have every right to be able to charge somebody as soon as car drives to my property is everybody seeing that, right? Does everybody see the cost of that not happening? And I think sometimes it's, it's just easy to slip. And, and it's not that anybody has any malintent. Yeah. No, I, I think, I, I just think that could be so powerful, especially at the employee level. So the Baywatcher by itself, I mean, that's, that's a, a big leap from where we've come. And then the next step, watching text, however, and not not for the micromanagement, not for the, the leveraging against them, but the break room is situated quite a ways from where the workers are. And generally, mm. it's not an issue. However, you can track whatever Fridays as a shop, you know, as an owner or manager, you bring in the good donuts. Okay. And you could see every Friday, everybody's steps go up and, and that they're making the trek to the break room maybe a couple times. And that's not to say stop buying donuts. Okay. But it's to take into account. Now, this, if, you, if we're going to talk like Deming here, if we're going to sp- speak Deming language, that would be a common cause. That is, that is, right. uh, and, you know, an aberration or whatever anomaly of the system. The system is broke. Not broke, but it's it's a consequence of the system. I don't want to say the system's broken. It's a consequence of the layout of the building and the fact that you brought in something that everybody likes. They know they're there. Maybe they put it off for a while, but finally it's overwhelming. They they go make the trek up. They find a reason to go up, grab a donut, come back. And maybe the answer isn't so much don't buy donuts, it's bring them into the shop. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, put them on her. Put them on <laughs> or her. yeah, I know I know what your favorite donuts are, so I will buy them specifically and I will set them on your toolbox. You know, something like that. I th- I think you could be okay. You just so I'm not a gamer anymore. I'm I'm not. I, I used to be a gamer and. So, I, you know, I play video games and I remember the last video game I played and it was like a Dungeon and like Dragon it. video game. Final I Fantasy? what it's called. It was cool. Yeah, it was a good one. No, I did play Final Fantasy oh, up to Final Fantasy 7, but this was a, this was, yeah, it was good. Final Fantasy 7 was good. But this was a, you know, you could have your wizards and your thieves and your, and, and it was like, you'd have a couple of them and it was cool. And I, I can't remember. It was, it wasn't Bard's Tale, but it doesn't matter. But way back when, when I played video games, like yeah, I'd spend a weekend playing video game, Final Fantasy VII, I played you know all the time. But then one thing happened was they they started tallying the time <laughs> that you spent playing, you know, and that was probably the worst thing that I think video game makers did was put the time in because I remember and I you know I, I was with you know my wife we didn't have kids yet, but I remember sitting there. And I was playing this game and I was up late. And of course, I'm tired. Yeah, I'm at work and everything. And, and I look at how many hours I had done. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, what could I have been doing with this time? So I swear, like, I'm done. Like, I am no more. I can't, I can't, I can't do any more. And, you know, sure, I still played video games. I just, I, yeah, we might well. But it was like one of those things where you're like, oh, crap. Like, I didn't realize it until. Like it was pointed out to me, I'm like, eh, okay. Now I, I still play video games. Me and my daughters play Wii. We play, you know, Smash Brothers. We play, you know, the other things. But I, I'm now more, much more aware of my three thousand hours and you know two weeks of video game playing. You know, addiction, borderline addiction. I feel problems that I 120 hours was a small price to pay to breed the golden chocobo so that I could get Knights of the Round. <laughs> so. Nice. Yes. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I guess my rant that is awesome. My rant there about the the donuts wasn't so much uh, to micromanage and how you should change it to keep production up. Well, that's a great reference. It's lighthearted, but also it wasn't so much like if if production is that important, that's what you could do rather than stop bringing in the donuts or understand and i think that's back to that deming thing understand that this is a common cause therefore there's really not much you would have to change the system hence bringing the donuts to the toolbox would be changing the system or you just agree. accept that that okay this is what's going to happen and i am a okay with that cuz the payoff is different it, it maybe it does end up monetary anyways but also you know right. shop environment, employee appreciation, you know, how, how happy everybody is, joy and work that goes up. And that is, yes, they can take a few more steps and lose a few minutes, you know, right. You can always people who run businesses, right. We can be good people and, and live in, you know, and, and what's getting that concept of, of appreciation and joy and what are people do. And you still put boundaries. It's not like you're happy when, I mean, when things go wrong, I, I believe in, you know, setting boundaries and goals and all that stuff. And I believe in, you know, if somebody does something wrong, you, you correct them, but you know, there's certainly leeway and understanding if your guys are producing, you know, a high productivity efficiency rate and your shops grossing a high percentage and netting your goal, then dude, I'm bringing donuts every Friday. Go back four times. Right. I, I don't, 
that's I'm not going to worry about that because when you're when when you're using what you have in the time that you have, you're using effectively, efficiently, and productively. Right. So I'm not going to necessarily beat it up, but uh, you know, a lot of times I think that as owners, like we don't necessarily look at we're not, you know, our people are reflection of us. They absolutely are, but we we throw our people under the bus all the time, and we don't look at actually ourselves and what we've done to cause or create the situation, or like you said, remove the roadblocks, or increase or help increase productivity. You know, the technician has been asking for the same tool over and over, week after week after week, because he says, "Look, I can't do this job. It it just takes me so long." And then the shopper is like, "Just suck it up, Buttercup," and it's a thirty dollar tool. I mean, why would you, you know, well, you should go buy your own tool. Go buy the guy a tool. Freaking, you know, the guy spits out four more cars extra a week because you buy him a $30 tool. Man, to me, no that brainer. is a no-brainer. But so I think, once again, people can, depending on the type of leader that you have, there's good leaders and bad leaders, right? So hopefully the information for Bay Short Watcher will be used to yeah. increase productivity. And here's the thing. I always say this, Matt, too, about technology. Like a, a digital inspection doesn't make your shop faster, better, or greater, right? I mean, if you're a great shop and you have paper write-ups, you got great technicians, like, great. I mean, like, technology helps accentuate the, the environment that you create. It can help translate things quicker. It can help move. Use people are the most important asset that we always have in our business, and they are the most important asset we will always have in our business. And I don't even think robots. I mean, what happens when the checkout person at Walmart flashes red. You get pissed off. You got to have the person come over and be yep. nice to you and go fix it, right? So we like people. We like interaction with people. I just think technology, and we watch the way that it's it's used, it's it's helped increase, you know, our, our satisfaction. And whether that's true or not, right? I mean, we get things a lot faster. We... we I think it has. I, I I mean, don't get me wrong. There's, there's caveats. But in general, right. in general, technology has improved everybody's life everybody's quality of life has right. gone up. And I don't, I mean, I'm not making a blanket statement here. I, I fully understand the caveats involved with some people have lost jobs because of technology. And don't get me wrong. I totally sure. aware of that. The overall standard of living has absolutely, I mean, we can fly anywhere now for vacations. We can get on rocket ships now and go fly around space. We can, you know, if you got the money and, and, you know, in 10 years, it'll, Shoot, you and I'll be able to. I, I think it, so. Right? Yep. I mean, that's pretty cool. Like, I want to go, dude, I want to go fly in space. I want to, I want to experience zero G's, dude. I am a, yes, Star Wars, you know, dude, I'm, I'm all about, look, I even like the first three. I, I like, you know, Jar Jar Binks, <laughs> yeah, he sucked, but I'm, I like, the, I even like the last three. I like, but I like that whole space. I like that, you know, so you're right. I think technology is, it's cool. Right, the evolution. Now there are caveats and there's evils that come along with it. Once again, you know the algorithms that keep you attached to the screen, right? And, and the people who developed that didn't do it out of malintent. They did it because that was their product. And they're like, hey, we need to keep people on the screen a lot longer because that's how we get more dollars, right? You want to prove that technology is awesome? Go watch Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh my God, I did. that was it was a good one. Dude. Dude, him coming back and the, the yes. I was that smiling. Was cool. I mean, the right? kids are crying. Yeah. But I am smiling because that was, I'm so glad I dodged all the spoilers. So sorry, everybody, that yeah, I, yeah, we yeah, just yeah. spoiled it for you, yeah. suckers. But 
I'm so happy I dodged. <laughs> well, we didn't really spoil anything, right? Because when he comes on screen, I'm grinning. I'm and it looked so good, and they got his mannerisms and just. Oh, I'm gonna have to steal it off it the internet awesome. and watch it again. So I would agree. So technology's it's definitely in, in the you know the industrial revolution it improved our life. I mean energy <laughs> improved. I mean, look at all the revolutions that we've gone through, right? I mean, they've, you know, gone for the betterment of, of mankind. And you could argue once again against it, but we're, we're not, there's, there's bad because there's bad inherent bad in us. So therefore we're going to make things bad. The good things are going to somehow turn into bad things because that's just what men and women do. We just have that in us, but yeah. And it progresses so fast, we don't have enough time to adjust. And that's not just technology. That's quite a few things going on. Uh, But the way it's the way technology is advancing and how it's advancing, we haven't quite. I'm not sure that's the goal of everyone or whose goals, whose goal it necessarily needs to be. But I think you kind of had this Star Trek type of an idea of the future where maybe not, you know, everything's so clean and all that, but that technology enhances everyone's life where now certain things aren't required. And we're kind of told like uh, money and stuff like that, like that's kind of removed. And I'm not saying that's where we should go at all. I'm just saying that with the way technology is going, that it takes more and more um, tasks out of uh, people's hands especially like repetitive type things. And those are, those are usually jobs that were uh, easily attained and paid decent enough to, and now they might be going away. We haven't adjusted to how we're going to handle that. And I I think we're going to have a lot of follies in trying to deal with that. And hopefully we get it figured out. Uh, But again, you can't overstate the, the the general no, level I mean, of it, it, quality of life is extremely no, I good. Agree. And if you don't think so, yeah, as far as longevity of living too. If you don't think so, leave the country for not permanently. Go on a vacation, but don't go to somewhere nice. All right, go to yeah. a third world country and then come back and say we got it so bad. Technology is, yeah, it, it's done a lot of good. I agree. That's probably a good way to close this out. I can tell your voice is starting to. Yeah, man. I'm, I, dude, the later it gets, the more my. Oh, yeah, I, like I just you. get run down. I run it's too. A, yeah, it's good. It's been, dude. It's been a great conversation, man. It was easy. That was an easy hour and a I half. I really, really enjoyed this. I can't tell you how much, how much I Me enjoyed too, this, man. and I hope to have you on again. Man, I'll be awesome. back. We'll we'll do it again, man. Hey, brother. Merry Christmas to you too. Happy Happy New Year. I. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's to you, and it's been a pleasure, brother. All right, sounds good, man. You've been listening to Matt Fonslow, diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Matt on your favorite listening app. He's very interested in what you have to say. Let him know what you'd like him to cover and come on the show. Matt is all for advancing the aftermarket. Find Matt Fonslow on social media and connect or on aftermarketradionetwork.com.